Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and glad to have you along here today. Uh, this is our hour dedicated to spiritual direction on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app, trying to understand how God might be speaking to us, how he might be leading in our lives. And we do that with the help of different spiritual directors, different priests that join us here every single day. Today, as we get started, are you a perfectionist at all? Or maybe you're only a perfectionist in certain areas of your life. Maybe it's just one thing, one thing that's really important to you. You can be a bit more relaxed in other ways, but when it comes to that one thing, if it's not perfect, well, you cannot merely settle for pretty close to perfect. It has to be perfect. I think almost everyone has this kind of tendency in certain areas of their life, whether that's how clean you keep your house, how fussy you might be about your hair. Maybe it's your yard or a garden. Maybe it's your car or how you approach your job, your profession. And sometimes this can pay off big for you because uh, I, I was never a big fan of the band Steely Dan. I grew up hearing their main hits that would run on the radio. One of their top songs is one called Peg. And it has this story of how the two main creative minds behind the music of Steely Dan, Walter Becker and Donald Fagan, and there's that music from Peg. Well, Walter Becker and Donald Fagan, they would accept nothing less than perfection when they created this song in the studio. Now, they were recording songs for their 1977 album, Asia, and they wanted to work on longer and more sophisticated compositions and arrangements for everything that would be included on this new album. And so over the course of several months, as they're doing all this recording in the studio, they went through almost 40 different musicians trying to find the perfect sound, the perfect take for every instrument, every part of every song. And when it came time to record the guitar solo for their song, Peg, they kept bringing in all these different hired session musicians, one after the other. They went through hundreds of different takes trying to get the perfect guitar solo to fit the short 24-second window in the middle of the song. Seven different guitarists had come in and spent hours each trying to produce the sound that Walter Becker and Donald Fagan were trying to achieve. And the eighth guitar player uh, to come into the studio, his name was Jay Graydon. And Jay, he spent that day about six hours trying to play different versions of a guitar solo that could fit there. And even when he left, when he left the studio, Jay didn't know if anything that he recorded was going to be a keeper. It wasn't until months later 
he turned on the radio and happened to hear this song, and he heard one of his takes that was used then as the guitar solo in this finished song. And here it is. Give a listen. There you go. Was that guitar solo worth all of that time and all of that money, all of that effort? I I don't know. But that kind of perfection not only can pay off, it can also be paralyzing because if you look at another great musician, Brian Wilson, he's the one who wrote most of the top songs for the Beach Boys, he reached a point where he didn't even feel he could write or record anything as perfect as he wanted to, and he suffered a nervous breakdown, spending somewhere between two to three years mainly just living in his bed. Didn't get out of bed hardly at all during those years. And there's a lot to that story, more than I'll go into here. But Brian, he had to go and get professional help before he was able to start recording music and performing again. So sometimes that obsession with perfection, it can hurt us in bigger ways than we realize. More so when we put all the pressure just on ourselves, you know, that we have to be the one to do everything. We have to be perfect. And this kind of attitude can be devastating when it enters into our spiritual life as well. If you start obsessing about every little thing, worried that maybe the smallest fault or that little failing that you have, it's equal to the biggest sin, then you get so caught up in the worry and the stress that this brings that you can't live the life that God has called you to live. You end up having this warped view of sin, and this ends up impacting your view of God as well. Instead of a God who wants to free you from your sins, you end up feeling trapped that you'll never be good enough for his mercy, for his forgiveness. And this is something we call scrupulosity. And this is what we want to discuss on The Inner Life today, how we can have an accurate understanding of sin and not fall into this trap of being overly scrupulous. And joining us is our spiritual director today. I'm glad to welcome to the program for his very first time on The Inner Life here, Father Scott Bailey. Father Bailey is a priest in the Archdiocese of Denver, and he's the pastor of Risen Christ Catholic Parish in Denver. Uh, Father Bailey, welcome to The Inner Life. So glad to have you here today. Thanks. Great to be here. Well, and since this is your first time, maybe before we jump into our topic of scrupulosity, uh, can you tell us a little about yourself? First of all, I guess, have you always lived there in the Denver area? Yeah, yeah, I grew up about a half hour away from where I'm currently serving as a priest, so, and I still have family not too far away. So yeah, I grew up out here in Colorado, went to college out here in Colorado. Um, At some point during college, um, started to really open myself up to the idea of priesthood, so I went to seminary, which is also right here in Denver. It's just about five minutes off the road from where I'm currently assigned right now. And, uh, uh, yeah, I was ordained a priest nine years ago for the Archdiocese. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, What's, uh, having been a priest now for nine years, what's your favorite part of being a priest? Or maybe one of the most unexpected, uh, joyful blessings that you've experienced as a priest? Yeah, um, I mean, spiritual direction is is obviously one of them since kind of the nature of what we're doing today, but um, that's a huge piece of it. But um, I'd say the thing that probably surprised me that I've loved so much about being a priest is funerals. 
Um, I love kind of being with people in the midst of kind of the heavy times of their life and, um, you know, trying to be with the family, console the family a little bit, bring hope into this situation. Um, and uh, so, that, and I've discovered here at, at this parish, we've got a lot of our founding members are, are passing away at this point in our, our history. Our parish is about 50 years old. And uh, so many of the families who helped to build this parish 50 years ago are, are beginning to pass away. And so it's been an honor to kind of accompany those families and, and be with their loved ones in the midst of uh, and the loss of those people. So anyway, that's been one of the surprising things. Um, probably within the first couple of years, I realized, wow, I, I thought I would love, you know, hearing confessions more or something like that. But I actually love, I love this particular ministry of funerals. Mm. Uh, that is that's that's so nice to hear that and then uh you're kind of in a lead up then for your parish as well to the uh kind of the the celebration that would be your your parish's big feast day easter since it's risen christ catholic parish right <laughs> that's right yeah that's true we don't really have a feast day i suppose we kind of have a feast season the whole easter season right uh we're remembering <laughs> the risen christ yeah uh it's a it's a unique name i mean there's not a lot of churches named after jesus himself most of them are named after a uh, maybe mysteries of of our uh, Lord, like the Transfiguration or something like that, or saints. But uh, yeah, we get to be named after Jesus Himself. Uh, that's great. Well, so let's dive into our topic for today: scrupulosity. And the first thing you know that is good to just start with here is to have a solid understanding of what scrupulosity is, and of course, what it is not. So, uh, when we look at this term, scrupulosity, how would you define it? Yeah, I would say scrupulosity is um, maybe we could we call it a, a spiritual illness, um, where a person is uh, overly concerned or uh, has an unreasonable fear of sin. That's probably the simplest way of describing it. I mean, there's other kind of manifestations of it. It's not always just about that, but that's probably the the majority of it. So a, a person could really struggle to judge if certain things are sinful or not, or they might struggle to judge if maybe the gravity of a sin, uh, they might think that something is small, uh, a small failure or something like that, uh, maybe rises to the level of being a mortal sin. And uh, so the person with scrupulosity, their their mind really struggles to just accurately judge um, what's sinful and how sinful it is. Um, Very often the, the person with scrupulosity is just, they struggle to maybe trust in, um, God's love and His mercy. There's, they tend to be very um, concerned with judgment, with hell. Uh, there's a real desire to please God there, which is beautiful, right? There's a there's a desire for perfection, and you know, we're called to be perfect as our heavenly Father is perfect. But um, there's very often the person with scrupulosity is just crippled by a, a fear that um, they are somehow not pleasing God. Well, and kind of taking the root there. Uh, of scrupulosity, when we talk about somebody having scruples, mm-hmm. we usually look at that as being a strong characteristic. You know, they, they're able mm-hmm. to do the good things that, that they see, they avoid bad or hurtful behaviors. And so we look at this and say, this is a very admirable quality. So where does this idea of kind of this this noble behavior turn into something that might be problematic for our spiritual health? Yeah, I think um, the person who's really struggling with scrupulosity in, in this way um, experience it 
experiences it as very debilitating. Um, they really struggle to connect with maybe a, a homily on on the love of God or God's mercy, or they 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 very often have a maybe a very broken image of of who God is, even though they might understand in their head that. You know, he's a loving God, and Jesus has died for me. And there's there's a goodness and there's a beauty in that. They might just feel overwhelming shame that Jesus had to die for me, um, or or they doubt that um, they've accurately confessed their sins, and maybe the Lord isn't going to forgive them. That um, so on occasion, I, when I've worked with people um, who have scruples, I'll, I'll I'll ask them something about tell me about how you see God. Like, what's your relationship with God like? Um, and very often, it's got maybe a more kind of a hmm, a heavy-handed or angry God kind of an image. You know, they they see God as a as a very demanding boss, or they experience God as a an angry stepfather, or something like that. They tend to have very negative connotations of of God's uh, of who God is in their in their lives. So they really struggle to connect with kind of God's mercy, God's gentleness, God's love. Um, they they very rarely have kind of peace in their spiritual life. Um, there might be a, a a moment of peace after. Um, going to confession or something like that, but it doesn't last long as their scruples start to make them analyze whether or not they confessed everything correctly, and maybe that was an invalid confession or something like that. So there's, there, and there is a, a real desire for holiness and perfection, which is beautiful, but usually you, you know that the person struggling with scrupulosity, if they just, they really struggle with that good image of the Lord um, in their life, they, they struggle to connect to them in that love, in that way, and they just really never experience peace with the Lord. Mm. And so I would call it, I think illness is probably a fair way of of describing it because the person with scruples would love to not have the scruples. Uh, They really struggle with with that reality. And so I think it's probably a a good way of of calling it that that it's actually an illness where um, maybe that attention to detail and that desire for holiness has actually become very crippling in in a way. So, as you're talking about this and saying that there is this this view of God where God is, um, you know, out to get them, or they have this kind of negative view of God, mm-hmm. I would presume a lot of that is going to go back to their own experience with... Uh, authority figures, whether that's a parent, a grandparent, you know, somebody in their house, and it might even be somebody who tried to instill in them kind of religious understanding at an early mm-hmm. age, but then they take that and equate that person's behavior and personality with, well, this must be what God is like. You talk about this kind of worry and obsession over uh, judgment and hell and, you know, all the negative things that we, we hear about in regards to religion. How have you been able to work with people and try and help them have a better understanding of who and what God is so that they get a, you know, like the, the, the complete picture as God has revealed himself, not just this narrow understanding? Sure. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It, at least in, in many cases, yeah, there is something that has um, kind of conditioned a person to see God in this way, I think probably for all of us, 
uh, if we have a broken image of of the father then there's a there's a reason behind that there's something developmental in our life that we've experienced be it an authoritative figure in our life or a broken relationship with a parent or something like that um i think we, we look at um saint alphonsus liguri uh struggle with scruples and uh uh, and if if you know a little bit about his biography, he he had a a mother who um, seemed to be a, a holy woman, but um, it's kind of presumed that she, if she didn't herself have scruples, she could be maybe um, her attitude around sin and around certain things probably got instilled into Alphonsus a little bit, so that he grew up with that kind of tender conscience um around what things are sinful and 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 not and so yeah so i think there's a way in which it's it's probably kind of handed on to us in a way it's developed in our life and so part of yeah so maybe part of scruples is uh or overcoming scruples is yeah examining some of those things um i think as we start to spend time in prayer with the lord and let the lord just reveal ourselves to us uh show us what he sees um he's going to start to show us wounds in our life that he does want to look at that he wants to touch that he wants to heal um and uh and so as i work with people i guess my my goal is always to help them just continue to stay in um in the love of the father that and that's a huge that's a that's a big struggle for for a person with scrupulosity to kind of get to that place to even seeing god as loving or as gentle but um you know I, so I, I I spend a lot of time with people uh, encouraging them to all right in the gospels let's spend some time with like see yourself with Jesus I think sometimes hmm, sometimes that image of the father father can feel very distant he can feel very I don't know um, uh, absent uh, or demanding and that's that's not how Jesus appears like I ask them well then if that's how your image of God is what's your image of Jesus oh J- Jesus is okay very often they feel kind of okay <laughs> with Jesus okay. Um, and okay well Jesus has come to reveal the Father. If we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father, he tells us. And so um, in my work with people one-on-one, and let's spend some time, let's spend some time meditating on on the love of Jesus. And let's have, you know, as saying, Ignatius of Loyola even encourages some of these colloquies where we see the Lord face-to-face. Maybe we go to a gospel scene and we see how the Lord has interacted with someone uh, in such a tender way. Um, and he is showing the Father's love in that moment. He is showing the Father's forgiveness in that moment. Um, and helping people, if, if they can feel, a, uh, if they feel like the Father is distant, yet they feel a, a certain affinity or at least a friendliness with Jesus, then let's help them, through Jesus, come to encounter the love of the Father. You know, another thing that I was thinking about today, and you kind of referenced this a little earlier here in the show, you said that scrupulosity can come from a place of good intentions. And as I was thinking about scrupulosity, I found myself thinking, you know, it it might be kind of similar to the way that we can look at sin, because there's this common explanation about sin where when we look at, uh, you know, different sins that Satan doesn't create anything new for us to engage in sinfully. Rather, he takes the good things that God has already created, and he presents us with this warped or this twisted approach that takes away the inherent goodness of what God originally designed for us. And so with scrupulosity, I I kind of look at that and say, well, this is... You know, that underlying premise is good here. Somebody who's scrupulous, they want to avoid sin, they are wanting to regularly examine their conscience, but they take what is a maybe good and healthy approach to wanting to grow in holiness, 
and sadly it becomes this overbearing this nearly hopeless process for them yeah. and and so they don't experience the forgiveness that God wants to you know give to them that brings about freedom to then love God more love their neighbor to a greater degree and instead of the the forgiveness and the freedom they're saddled with guilt and fear in place of those things right. is that an accurate understanding of scrupulosity is it is it that twisting of something that potentially starts out as a good thing absolutely yeah i think that's a great way of describing it and i think that you know at least a lot of the people i encounter with scrupulosity uh they are so grateful for the sacrament of confession and they know that the sacrament of confession is intended to forgive their sins they struggle with the belief that their sins actually forgiven that time because they think they didn't forgive it they didn't confess it well enough or they missed something serious or they wonder if maybe the priest didn't hear them well enough and uh, maybe he, he didn't grasp the seriousness of the sin or something like that. So they can obsess over these little things. But but you're right, it is a twisting of what is intended to be really good and, and helpful for our spiritual life. And so it's interesting if you read, you know, be it priests today or even your Alphonsus Liguri's rules for the uh, confessors for the scrupulous, um, you read these things and it almost seems like the the things that might apply to the average person, don't apply for the person who's scrupulous. Um, so where we might generally say to people, uh, yeah, it's good in confession to, you know, you, you mention, you have to mention all of your mortal sins, but it's good to mention the venial sins as well. Um, for the scrupulous person, that's probably not a good practice. And so um, it's almost like some of the rules have to be different because uh, of their, uh, because in their minds, these good things have been twisted to be such a, a, a a crippling thing um, that in a certain way certain certain rules don't apply uh, or they apply differently uh, in the case of the scrupulous so that they can begin to experience the freedom around those good things. Our spiritual director today on The Inner Life is Father Scott Bailey, a priest in the Archdiocese of Denver. Today talking about scrupulosity, have you struggled with scrupulosity in your life? And what helped you to be able to find freedom from being over, overly scrupulous? Uh, Maybe this is something that you're dealing with right now and you'd like some advice, some encouragement. Maybe you have a question about scrupulosity and you can call in and join the program here and speak with Father Bailey at 888 or you can email us innerlife at relevantradio.com and we'll continue talking about this important topic, scrupulosity, coming up here in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Back to the Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond. So glad to have you with us here today as we're talking with Father Scott Bailey about scrupulosity, where we might <laughs> get a little too obsessed about those little things, those little failings, those little faults in our life, and it ends up holding us back from growing in relationship with God. How about you? Have you struggled with being scrupulous in your life, overly scrupulous? Uh, what has helped you to find freedom? 
from that scrupulosity. Or maybe that's something you're going through dealing with right now. Maybe you have a question about how to approach uh, those moments where you find yourself being overly scrupulous. You can call into the studio, 888-914-914-888-914-914. Father, we talked a little about that this comes from a, a place of good intentions of wanting to grow in holiness. How do I recognize in myself if I have started to cross a line from just being sensitive to a well-formed conscience, from wanting to grow in holiness, to where I am entering that realm of being overly scrupulous? Yeah, I think sometimes um, the people around a person who is scrupulous will start to point that out. You know, maybe a, a, a scrupulous person might, I don't know, in confession, uh, confess a number of things, and the priest might say, you know, n- none of those really sounded like sins to me. So it might be little things like that could begin to be a hint, uh, or maybe the scrupulous person is really uh, obsessing over one particular thought or particular thing, and someone in the family says, I don't think that's something you have to worry about. Like, now, it, I mean, whatever, there's also there's going to be situations where, you know, sometimes the people around us are wrong. But if we're starting to hear that pretty regularly, uh, people who seem to be generally pretty balanced and reasonable people start to think that maybe the way that we're thinking about things or or focusing on things seems to be a little out of balance, that might be a sign. Um, I would say in general, the person with scrupulosity has the most anxiety around confession and receiving communion. Um, Now, maybe everyone has some (laughs) anxiety about going to confession. I understand that. Sure, sure. um, There's a, but the kind of uh, anxiety around, I I don't know if I'm going to be able to confess everything, or how am I going to remember everything, or maybe I'll, uh, how do I know if this was a mortal sin or not a mortal sin? And so, um, you know, they can be kind of plagued with this concern that they're never going to be able to confess well enough, or... Um, they have concerns maybe uh, even after confession. They've left confession and they're doing their penance and they worry that they didn't do their penance well enough or they start analyzing the way that they said their confession and they, they worry that maybe they didn't give enough detail about this or that. So there tends to be um, uh, a real anxiety around just the experience of going to confession. So, And sometimes, I would say most of the time, uh, we pre-see the scrupulous person comes to confession very frequently, more than most people. They might come every couple of days. Uh, there's a tendency to bounce around to different priests, um, probably because there's a concern that if I go regularly to the same priest, the priest might say something like, this is a little odd, you were here just two days ago. Um, mm, and so okay. they the, they have a tendency to kind of bounce around a little bit and then and want to focus on a lot of sins from the past. So they may have, you know, confessed a dozen times um, uh, something that happened 30 years ago, but they just they feel like they didn't say it well enough. And so um, scrupulosity can kind of lead to a real concern about not confessing well enough or not really being absolved. Um, and then kind of a similar thing even with communion, just a, a fear that I'm not worthy enough to receive communion. Uh, if I've got a concern that I wasn't abso- actually absolved or I didn't confess well enough in my last confession to be absolved, that maybe now I'm, I want to receive communion, but I'm probably not worthy. Um, and uh, so there's a lot of concerns around those two things in particular. Sure. Well, as you're talking about this, you know that the person who walks out of the confessional and is worried that their confession wasn't good enough or they didn't do their penance well enough or I'm not worthy enough to receive communion, 
well, I mean, it's worth pointing out, none of us are worthy enough to receive communion. Right. You know, that, that right. is the gift that Christ gives to us of himself. So, um, you know, th- that, that I, I guess it's important for us to just take a step back and get perspective on things and not get so caught up in the, you know, I'm not worthy enough. No, none of us is. And that's the whole right. point of if, some, if one of us was worthy enough, Christ wouldn't have had to come and die on the cross. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, but but that idea that I didn't do enough in confession, or I didn't do my penance well enough, or I, you know, that's that's looking at ourselves again as we're trying to earn our salvation. We're trying to do things where, um, you know, if we fall into that pattern, it's all reliant upon me, or a, or a big portion is reliant upon me. Uh, how have you been able to counsel people that have come to you struggling with scrupulosity to be able to say, wait, you know? This is God is the one that we have to rely on here because without Him, none of this matters. So we have to have a better understanding of it's not me and how well I confess. The fact that we go to confession, that we are sorry for our sins, God will see that and recognize that, and He'll take the the things that are imperfect in our lives, and through His mercy and grace. And through his perfection, he will make it something that becomes good and frees us from those sins. How do you, how do you communicate that to people who are really struggling in that mindset? Yeah, in a way, it comes down to that broken image that we have of, of God. He may know that I'm coming here and I'm trying to do the best that I can, but if we have this image of God that uh, he still doesn't think that was good enough, um, uh, then that's going to be really debilitating for us in that confession. So I think sometimes coming back just to the simple basics of really at the heart of it, confession is I need to be sorry for my sins and desiring to start over um, and and leave the rest to God's mercy. And that's extremely hard for the person of scrupulosity to be able to do uh, and just is just leave the rest to God's mercy. Um, and so when I work with people, I just I really encourage pick a priest and always go to that priest for confession. Don't bounce around. Um, part of it, it creates a, an accountability, uh, and hopefully they're picking a priest who can be gentle and patient, but also kind of be firm with them when they need to to say, okay, no, nope, you can't it, confess sure. that again. Yeah. Okay, you confessed that last time. Um, and uh, so uh, to, to be able to work with someone one on one a little bit, uh, and uh, you know, it's interesting reading Alphonsus's kind of recommendations or guidelines for priests hearing confessions of the scrupulous. He says that the priest needs to keep reminding the penitent that God is not looking at their life um, in such a detail all the time. He's not always worrying about all the details. And I think that's where the scrupulous person gets caught up, is on all the details. Um, they tend to have very long confessions over things that are, are very small things, because uh, they're worried about every little detail. They want to make sure they hit all the things that they think are necessary. Um, and so Alfonso says, no, you need, the, the confessions actually need to be simpler, uh, and the priest needs to continually remind the person of God's love and God's mercy, and it's okay to trust in Jesus. It's okay to trust mm-hmm. in the love of the Father. Um, and that's, so in, in a way, just kind of continually emphasizing those basic truths that Jesus has forgiven your sins. When you come here and you're sorry, you are forgiven for your sins, and it's okay to, if, if there's stuff that you forgot, if there's stuff that was imperfect, we just leave it in the Father's mercy. Um, that's a that's a huge act of trust for the the person with scrupulosity. It's hard to to leave it at the door like that, um, but that is that is the invitation uh, of God in those moments. 
Talking with Father Scott Bailey today on The Inner Life and taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father, let's go to Carolina. She's listening to us in Bluffton, South Carolina. Carolina, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah, absolutely. Go right ahead. Okay. Um, well, I, I recognize a lot of the things that you've been talking about in my sister um just overanalyzing every little thing, a lot of anxiety around everything around her, but and everything that happens, and yeah. and just you know, not things not being in the way her mind tells her it must be right. And at this point in her life, definitely, definitely a distorted view of who God is. Um, to her, he is unloving, not present. Um, she feels very much abandoned by God and. And her story with God, you know, it starts with her earliest memories at the tender age of two, uh, three, four years old, where, you know, um, you know, she has this intense memory of, of her love for God and everything around her from, you know, intense emotional, um, you know, breakdowns because, you know, she sees birds flying in the sky, you know. At, you know, at such a young age, she, she was feeling this and, you know, crying for a week because the plant was dying, you know, things like that, right? And just this, this really strong, intense love for God. But as she grew older, I feel like these, this gift that God gave her, because I really do feel it's a gift, you know, um, she didn't know what to do with it. And uh, it, it tormented her because in many ways, uh, she's an empath as well, and so she feels a lot of strong emotion. And she overanalyzes everything as well. And so she, it, it just has tormented her, and she hasn't known what to do with it. And so just fast forward, now she's like 42. It still torments her, um, but she has suffered with this for so long and not feeling God. Um, you know, she blames God, basically. She, she overanalyzes every situation and doesn't see the evidence of God in her life, even though she's she did when she was so small, but she, when she has needed him, you know, she says, you know, he doesn't respond. And so she feels this abandonment and has now this distorted view of who God is and, and anything that you would tell it, like a, another Catholic or another Christian person that it would make sense to them, you know, for her, it completely destroys her because her love of God is still so strong. I believe and so, that's Carolina, why. just because it, it, we do have a lot of callers that are waiting here to talk yes, with Father sure. as well, yeah, is my, your question basically how do you help your is, sister in this? Yeah, how do you walk along along someone with, with this debilitating, uh, distorted view of God and anything you say regarding God just, you know, throws her into a spiral of darkness and just completely breaks down? How would you, you know, handle that? Like, how do you walk along someone like that? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, what she's going through... I mean, first of all, thank you for your question, Carolina. Um, yeah, what she's going through is obviously really difficult for her. Um, 
it may be that she even needs a little bit of psychological assistance to kind of work through. She's obviously got some really deep wounds that have been there for a really long time in her heart, and it's going to take a lot to kind of untangle those things. Um, a large part of it is just beginning to heal that that image of who God is, and maybe part of that is hearing your experience of who the Lord is in your life, hearing you talk about the blessings in your life. Um, sometimes the, the person who's scrupulous needs to keep hearing the truth about who God is because of that brokenness in their mind, and while you can't control what she does and, you know, what help that she seeks out and that sort of thing, you can continue to witness to the love of God in your life, uh, even if she doesn't agree with you, that that's the love of God, whatever. You continue to witness to your experience of the Lord and, and you, your love for Him and the way that He's loved you, uh, and you can keep reaffirming those truths in her life. And, uh, you know, God God uses all these situations as moments of grace in her life as well, and, uh, you know, He'll, uh, if, if He wants to kind of strike her conscience and strike her heart with something that you say, He can do that. Carolina, thank you so much for your call. And uh, again, if you're listening and would like to call in and speak with our spiritual director, Father Scott Bailey, the number is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, as we are talking about scrupulosity today here on The Inner Life. Uh, Father, let's go to Jeff, who's listening in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Jeff, you're on the air with Father Scott Bailey. Hello, Father Scott, and hello, Josh. Um Oh, I, I'm on vacation this week, and I was listening. I don't generally listen or hear your program, but this really hit home with me. Um, I'll keep it real short so I know you've got other callers. The fact is, is that my mom passed away a year ago. It was my last parent. My, other father, my father passed away in 1998, and I had moved back from out west to help my mom out. And after 26 years, I was with her. And in the last two years, she was in a nursing home, but I cared for her tremendously. One of the things was my mom was so devote, uh, devoted Catholic, and I was kind of always lukewarm. I missed Masses when I was younger in college and living out West and so on. But then I, I kind of found something and the direction of, of my faith, and especially when I moved back. My mom and I would sit and talk for hours and stuff, and it didn't hit me until the last two to three weeks of her life and how fragile our life is. And without God, we have nothing. This leads me into my question. After her passing, I've been going to confession like every six weeks or so. And it's kind of like what, Father, you said about repeating your same sins over and over. And I remember Drew Mariani talking about another, with another priest about things like this, but not your subject. Regardless, though, the priest caught me once. He says, you know, Jeff, did you read, you also talked about that sin before, but what concerns me is like what Drew uh, Mariani said, is I want to unpack all the sins, all the stuff and that had happened in my past. I even actually confessed to my mom how shameful my life has been and how I could have treated her so much better. But my question to you, Father, is with with me going to confession, if I have forgotten something from the past, well, when the priest gives me absolution, does it cover those sins that I might have forgotten? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Great question. I'm so sorry for about about the loss of your mom. Um, yeah, yes. If if you forget something in a confession. Um, it is forgiven uh, when you receive absolution. God, God's mercy covers the things that we forget. Um, if afterwards you you realize, 
huh, I, I did forget something, and it was a small thing or whatever. That, that's great. You just thank God for that gift of his mercy. You can have absolute confidence he's already forgiven the sin. If it was a, a serious sin, if you're absolutely confident that you, you forgot a sin that was a mortal sin, mention it in your next confession, but you're already forgiven for it. We have absolute confidence we are forgiven for it. Um, if it was something that was mortal that you forgot that time, okay, mention it in your next, next confession, but um, yeah, there's no reason to think that God hasn't forgiven you for those sins. When you receive absolution, absolutely everything is covered, even the stuff you forgot. Jeff, thanks for calling in. I hope that gives you some comfort as uh, you move forward there. And, uh, you, you know, I, Jeff, I, I remember that one point, too, where I brought something back, and the priest, he said, listen, listen, you know, at the end of confession where you say, for these and all the sins of my life, I am sorry, because that does cover those things that we might have forgotten. He said, don't, don't worry about, you know, bringing those. If it's something serious, just like Father Bailey said right now, you know, you can bring that back up there in confession, but... Uh, it's more we, we have to have that trust in God's forgiveness, in God's mercy, and uh, uh, that he's the one who's doing all of this. And, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of times where I think there's this concept of Godfather where he's kind of this, he's just waiting for us to mess up, you know, kind of, oh, okay, gotcha. You know, I found you in that right. one thing where you didn't quite get things right, and that's never how it is. If we look at that image that Jesus gives us of the Father with the prodigal son, the father's just waiting and watching and not only is he waiting for the son to return home he runs out to meet him so he can welcome him in the middle of the road before he even gets to the house and he's going to escort him the rest of the way the father is the one who wants to welcome us into the house and he's he's not interested in all those other things even the things that the prodigal son wanted to say the father essentially just cuts him off and says nope here come on you are part of my family uh, we have to have that that kind of a view of God. Absolutely, yeah. I, I come back to that image a lot of the prodigal son not being able to finish his confession because the father was just so ready to give him mercy. He was just so anxious for it. So when we forget things in our confession, uh, we can abs- have absolute trust that the father was just more concerned that, that we came to him repentant and ready to start over. Uh, exactly. Again, talking with Father Scott Bailey today on The Inner Life, talking about scrupulosity. Maybe you've struggled that in your life. What has helped you to be able to find that freedom from being overly scrupulous? Or maybe it is something that you're struggling with right now, and you have a question and you'd like to speak with Father Bailey. 888-914-9149 is the number to call in and join the program. 888-914-9149. And we'll be back with more of Father Scott Bailey and more of your phone calls in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. So glad to have you along with us this hour as we're talking with Father Scott Bailey on the topic of scrupulosity. If you'd like to call in with a question, maybe how you've been able to move past, if you've dealt with scrupulosity in your past, how how have you been able to free yourself of that? How have you been able to get a proper, a better understanding of who God really is? and not to obsess over those different sins in your life. And the number to call in, 888-914-9149, Father, you know, in dealing with scrupulosity, 
it seems to me that a lot of this would be very much in that interior of the scrupulous person. You know, of course, we all have different actions that we will commit that are sinful from time to time. But I think that anyone who's struggling with the same familiar sin, you know, and, and that's pretty much all of us, we all have those areas of weakness in our lives. But for the scrupulous person, I have to imagine it's easy for them to start equating themselves, their thoughts, and those sinful thoughts with who they are. But it's important to recognize that we are not simply made up of only our sinful thoughts or our sinful behaviors. We are a complete person. And those sinful thoughts, they only comprise such a small small part of who we are. So do you have any suggestions or any kind of practical advice uh, on how to not let our guilt trick us into thinking that we are only those sinful thoughts, those sinful behaviors? How can we have that true understanding, that view of the entirety of ourselves and how God actually sees us? Yeah, um, this is something I became aware, I became aware of in my own spiritual life a couple of years ago, that at least for a period of time, I was doing a whole lot of looking at myself in prayer. I go to my prayer time, and I'm just analyzing myself, how I'm doing, what's going on, what am I feeling, and all, there's, there's a certain part of that that's good, but my spiritual director pointed out to me, okay, and at what point did you turn the attention to God? I'm like, huh, I guess I was spending a lot of my prayer time looking at me. Um, sure, sure. And I think that sometimes, especially the scrupulous person is going to have that, uh, we're all going to have that temptation, but scrupulous person is going to especially struggle with looking at themselves. Um, and uh, so I would say do what we can to, to at least move the move the spotlight off of ourselves and onto the Father, uh, onto the Lord. Um, and remember that He loves us in our sinfulness. He's come for us in our sinfulness. You know, it was that line from Romans that He loved us while we were still sinners. Um, sure. And, uh, yeah, He didn't wait sinners, for us to clean up have, our act. Exactly, yeah. Um, and uh, if we weren't sinners, Christ would have had no need to die for us. Um, and uh, he's come for the sick. He's not come for the healthy. So um, I think just acknowledging that, yeah, we're sinners, but that's that's a part of why God loves me so much. Um, that's a part of why he has, he has done what he's done for my salvation. He, he came for me in my sinfulness. He's not waiting for me to become perfect. Um, with his help, though, he can help to make me perfect. But... Um, yeah, to get caught up in in those sins as if those as if as if that's what we are. That's just that's a huge lie from the evil one. And um, uh, so I think yeah, continuing to get that attention back on the Lord, continuing to look at the way Jesus interacts with sinners, will tell us a lot about who we really are. One of the other things I mentioned was we all have those regular sins that we find ourselves confessing again and again sure. in confession. Um, and so that's, I guess, another area where how do you distinguish if I am being scrupulous because I am wanting to confess again and again and again over these same things rather than simply, well, this is the area of weakness that I struggle with in my life, whatever that might be. And so I know that even though I pray in that act of contrition, I want to sin no more and I'm going to avoid the near occasions of sin. I might strive as much as I can, but it's there's a good chance I might fall into that sin again. How do I recognize the difference between just being practical and, and yep, that that's the thing I need to bring to confession again this time, versus I'm being scru- overly scrupulous and I, I, I'm maybe not having an accurate understanding of what I really do need to confess when I go to that sacrament of reconciliation? 
Sure. Um, yeah, I would say this. Yeah, we're all going to be confessing a lot of the same things over and over. Um, but the scrupulous person wants to confess past sins. It's not necessarily something that they've struggled with since their last confession. Um, they they worry that maybe they did, um, but they don't have any certainty about it. So um, in general, we would say for the person who's scrupulous, unless there is absolute certainty that I have committed a particular sin, I, I would put my hand on a Bible and swear that I definitely committed that sin, then I probably shouldn't confess it. Um, if there's any doubt in my mind whether or not I confess it since my last, uh, whether or not I've committed this particular sin since my last confession, I shouldn't bring it up. I have to leave that to the Lord's mercy. For, that's for the scrupulous person. For the rest of us, yes, bring you know, bring up those menial, the, those those venial sins, those smaller things. Um, um, but because we have that real desire to overcome those things, but for the person who's um, really obsessing over the stuff from the distant past and they're wondering. Is it still affecting me now? You don't have to bring up stuff that's come that you've already confessed. Uh, so I think there's the stuff that we're going to perpetually be be confessing because we perpetually struggle with this particular thing, and then there's the stuff that I don't know. I fell into that sin that one time, and I just still feel so bad about it. So mm-hmm. I confess it over and over again. That's the piece that's unhealthy. Is confessing something that is a is is a done deal. It was absolved the last time I went to confession. I don't need to say that again. Um, but if I've if I've if I've consciously chosen a particular sin since my last confession, then I need to say it in confession. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Focus on the here and now. What what is what yeah. are the areas I need to confess now? Don't dwell on the past, because God has taken those sins and forgiven them. So he's not he's not worried about them anymore. You shouldn't be worried about them either. Right. Uh, yeah. Father Scott Bailey, we are down to about 30 seconds left in our hour. It's just gone by so quickly, and I want to thank you for being here with us. Before we close out, could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a blessing? Yeah, absolutely. Heavenly Father, I ask you to pour your abundant blessings upon all of our listeners here today. Draw them closer to you and give them healing in their life in every way that they need it. I ask this all through Christ our Lord. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Scott Bailey, I hope we uh, get a chance to speak again soon in the near future. Enjoyed having you on the program. Also want to say thank you to Lucas Holt and Nick Sentovich for their help in producing the program. If you joined us late and didn't have a chance to listen to the whole hour, of course, go back, find the podcast. You can uh, download it at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. It'll be posted there shortly. And stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next, followed by The Faith Explained with Cale Clark. I hope you have a blessed rest of your day.